Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can download a free audiobook today by following the Audible link on our website, thehistorychicks.com. You can choose from over 85,000 titles over all types of literature to listen to on your MP3 player or smartphone. Hello, it's Beckett. Just a quick note by way of explanation. The week before we recorded this episode, our city had suffered a pretty large windstorm and thunderstorm, which caused a lot of damage to all the old trees in the neighborhood of the House of Wood. And the day we recorded the podcast was the day the army of tree trimmers descended upon us uh, en masse um, to make a lot of noise, which you will hear in the background of especially the very first part. There's really nothing to be done about it. I'm so sorry. Um, But in case you're wondering what all that loud buzzing is, it is chainsaws and uh, other heavy equipment. So thank you for your patience with that. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Hi. We're here to present to you the second part of our Queen Victoria podcast. We had so much to talk about. We did, and she had a lot going on in her life. So I guess we should recap it, what we've already discussed. We discussed what the world was like before she was born, how she actually got to be next in line in the world of primogenitor, that a woman was going to be ascending the throne. We talked about her parents. We talked about her mother and John Conroy raising her in a very manipulative manner. Her ascension to be a young, powerful queen who is well thought of by all. Her marriage to Prince Albert of Saxe-Coburg. We talked about her children, how all nine of them, <laughs> and what family life was like for them. Okay, so we're so, back up to date. <laughs> there you go. You've got it all. You really should go back, and if you haven't listened to it, I don't know why you haven't. Stop this one. Go listen to that one. <laughs> so you can catch up. So, okay, here we are. Okay, a lot of political things are happening right about now. Queen Victoria is about 29 years old. That's just crazy to me, because she ascended to the throne at 18, so she's been there for 11 years. Yeah, so, okay, here's what happens when she's 29. There is a very serious uh, movement called the Chartist Rebellion, and its main goal is to eliminate the monarchy. Uh, well, and to provide for the working classes, they were into labor and assistance for the poor, and they just thought that this was an unnecessary expenditure. Why do we have this queen? This is kind of similar to the stirrings of what had gone on in France Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit. The working classes um, just saw that the high and mighty were not doing enough to fix their horrible situations. And they also wanted one man, one vote, because there were some property restrictions on who could vote still. Right. And they wanted one man, one vote. And five million signatures were on this petition. This is no small potatoes. No, five million signatures. 200,000 marchers came to town. 200,000. The lights were smashed at Buckingham Palace, and people were screaming, Viva la République! Okay, that's alarming. You know, that's kind of fresh yeah. fresh memories. Uh, it sounds an awful lot like what happened to our friend Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette. Um, this was when she was pregnant with Princess Louise, if that gives you a timeline of exactly when it is. But she was very worried about the baby Louise, and the family was spirited out of town on a train. And ultimately, um, 9,000 soldiers came to town. 170,000 loyal deputies were 
sent out. But ultimately, it was defused. Someone that they respected in Parliament said, okay, stand down. I'll bring your concerns to the Queen. This is not appropriate. There's a better way to get this done. And they stood down. It was amazing. And you know, Victoria has, at this point, (laughs) reversed her stand on assistance for the poor. And Albert helped a lot. It was a big cause for him. Over the course of her reign, she gave the equivalent of $21 million to some various charities, anti-child labor, mm-hmm. welfare, health care so, for the poor. So the outcome, the method, their methodologies kind of sucked. But the outcome was eventually that, you know, she was, she listened to what they had to say. And she, yeah. she actually it, made a lot of changes. Yeah. So, so that was good. In their favor. Yeah. Now, a happier note, uh, shortly, a bit later, the Great Exhibition wherein the Crystal Palace was the mm-hmm. showpiece. All over the world, countries came and had, I guess you'd call it a booth. Right. <laughs> country con. Yeah, country con. <laughs> it's a grand framework of iron and glass. It's a mm-hmm. huge greenhouse, by the way, with living trees and fabulous advances in technology mm-hmm. here. And it was mostly the work. Of Prince Albert. Albert. Albert was big into the arts and into this kind of thinking globally in in some regards, you know, which is mm-hmm. not just our little country, our, you know, this is new thinking. Oh, yeah. She fun. was on a world stage now. This was yeah. great PR. She was so proud of her husband. She mm-hmm. loved this thing and kept coming back and coming back. She couldn't stand it how cool it was. Yeah. I mean, you know. Oh, cool. So it was excellent. So I would like to do a special feature on that because we cannot do it justice. No. All these great events happen for which we just don't have time to, to fill you in on the background. When she was 36, the Crimean War was in full swing and I am by no means going to be able to get you into the Crimean War and out in the time I have. <laughs> here's your 30 second summary. So here's your 30 second <laughs> summary. The Turkish Armada was destroyed by the Russians. Fair enough. Whatever. We're at war. That sucks. That's fine words, whatever. But the Russians shot the 4,000 men that were in the water that had escaped. And that is not cool. That's bad. And so the Allies, the French, we're in it now. We're all in it now. The Crimean War. And so peace was finally gained, not by Britain, but by the French Allies. So all those people that say the French never won a war. Yeah. Plus they won the Revolutionary War for us. So yay French. There's two. That's right. So anyway, the peace was gained by the French allies and Victoria. Um, hooray, yay French. She was very grateful because it was kind of embarrassing how the English army, you know, didn't do very well. <laughs> so she went to Versailles as a guest and they cut off the legs of one of Marie Antoinette's writing desks for her. So that it could be shorter. Yes. To handle her height. Yes. That's- so that could be tragic. Like, oh, dang it. The poor old queen, though, I will tell you what, she's so very dowdy. She's at Versailles, and she has handbags on them with embroidered poodles. She's got big old non-matching straw hats. Her petticoats are longer than her skirt. The French ladies are just, like, eye-boggling out. Empress Eugenie, in contrast, was the first one to discover our friend Charles Worth. And so imagine what she looked like. She's super fabulous, fancy. She spent 60,000 pounds on her dress. Uh And here's a little girl with a straw bonnet from the barn and her petticoats longer than her skirts. Love it. So Empress Eugenie, I guess out of pity or love, I don't know which, sent Princess Vicky a whole bunch of dresses. That was so sweet. For her debut, thinking, your mama is not going to be able to handle this. <laughs> You're going to come out for your parties with a big old poodle skirt on. So, um, tartan wrapped around your waist. So she sent Princess Vicky a bunch of dresses and jewels. So, you know, hooray for that. That was very kind of her. That was very kind. Oh, that's kind of sad. Okay. Something else happened. 
there was a rebellion in India, massacres of British and other expats all over. And after they have, uh, India has been a colony, colonized for mm-hmm. about a hundred years at this point. Um, they were ultimately pacified by Victoria saying she would just take over directly and that the East India Company would no longer be in charge. So I don't know how that was any different, but that seemed to, to take the steam out of that rebellion. And more personally, again, she became a grandma at 39. She was a fantastic grandma. Vicky had her first child, and Victoria advised her daughter not to indulge in baby worship, since she would be unfit for her husband at that point. Okay, I have to tell you, I'm going to talk about a website here. There is the big website for this particular era, woman, podcast, whatever, is victoriana.com. And this, it's like the granddaddy of Victorian information. Um, so we will totally link you up. But there is a section on it um, with correspondence between Victoria and Vicky upon, upon hearing that Victoria was pregnant. And they exchanged these really delightful letters talking about how being pregnant sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love it. And nursing and how nursing is just, you're going to hate it. And it's just, I mean, I have pages and pages here, uh, which I won't read right now. But we will totally link you up to this if you are at all interested and anything Victorian, Victoria the Queen, Victorian the House, Victorian the Era, you need to go to this website. It's just, it's, it's pretty cool. Vicky, by the way, had married Crown Prince Frederick of Prussia. Who was later Frederick III, German Emperor and King of Prussia. So this town in Pennsylvania. That was, okay, do you want to know what that's <laughs> named after? I do know that. Okay, go. Because in a previous life, that was in my, hard to explain, but I did design for a company and that was in my area. Uh-huh. Uh, the town King of Prussia. Yeah. It was a pub. It was a pub called the King of Prussia and it was oh. at a very prominent crossroads. And it was very common to name a pub in England, like yeah. the Queen's Head yeah. or the yeah. King's yeah. Head or whatever. Well, they, this pub was called the King of Prussia and it was at that crossroads. Huh. And that's why that, can the town grew up around it at the crossroads. I mean, businesses yeah. grow right. where there's traffic. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. That's but anyway, cool. those are my people, and that is my story. That's all right. Thank you, Sharon. Um, Vicky ends up having uh, four sons and four daughters. Sophia ends up being the queen of Greece. I mean, Victoria's children are dispersed all throughout Europe, mm-hmm. and they are dispersed wisely. Some marry for love. Some marry for prominence and to get the British fingers into the pot of their country. <laughs> but... um yeah, there's nine kids, and they all they all get around. So interestingly enough, here she's got this grand correspondence with Vicky, but she is so disappointed with her second child, Bertie, and not only she, but Prince Albert. They are so disappointed in him, and they have been disappointed in him since basically birth, because here Princess Vicky is, and she's so smart and so cute or whatever, and then he comes along. And he's, like, kind of dull and whatever. He's, I mean, he's a little boy, whatever. And then Alice comes along after him, not very long later, and he has the misfortune of having an extremely clever, quick... Alice didn't have to study anything. Alice looked at it. It was in Alice's head. End of story. Let's go play. Gee, who does that remind you of? Hmm. Beckett. (laughs) So, poor thing was just in contrast, didn't have good PR in the first place, but they kept after him about every freaking thing. 
It was very bad. Like, they they would say things like, to him, they would say, what is wrong with you? And they would try flogging. That probably works. Yeah. Him just to be smarter. No. Punishment, isolation, pressure on him. And then they would go, okay, you haven't learned that. Well, then, here's 20 more pages. Let's see how you do with 40 pages now. Okay, that's not a good strategy <laughs> at all. They gave him a schedule that would just kill you. He studied from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. seven days a week and was not allowed playmates. Okay, well, that would explain why he had so many playmates later. <laughs> I mean, seriously, everyone was he's given... A, I know. He's a guy. I mean, we look at it that way. We go, oh, boys learn differently than girls. You can't really compare Vicky and Alice to Birdie. But, but they, they got after him inappropriately, yeah. I think. But everyone was given permission to mock him when he did them something they thought was stupid. <laughs> It was so sad. And then, um, of course, he began to stutter. Because if everyone's given the right to mock you, you're going to start to stutter. Okay, more mockery ensues. And then he started to fly into these rages. I can totally understand it. But then, he's so sweet. And he used to leave these little notes and presents on his tutor's pillow. He was a nice boy. He was so afraid of his father, though, that he was once on a seesaw overseen by grown men, which I'm sure they thought that was awesome to just stand there and push down on one side of its seesaw. Oh, yeah. Um, he was so afraid of his father. He was in the garden on the seesaw and saw his father and fell off in shock and almost broke his neck. Had to be taken inside. How sad to be that afraid of your dad that you fall off a seesaw. And then... And they just didn't treat him very well at all. They would they would compare him to his brothers all the time, and I don't blame him for turning out a little rebellious, frankly. No. At the end here, they discovered when he was a grown man and he got a little freedom mm-hmm. and he'd been sent to school that he had been with a known actress. Do you know what that's code for? <sighs> A loose woman. Loose woman. A known yeah. actress. Like, as if there were unknown actresses. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, while his parents were trying to arrange a good marriage for him, he had been sowing oats that are inappropriate. Yes. They were so he mad at him. a naughty, naughty boy. It was a huge scandal. It was a big scandal, and Dad was so full of rage, and he'd been working overworking himself anyway. Prince Albert had, because Victoria had ceded a lot of power to him over the course of all these years. And he had taken it to heart. And he was more of a workaholic than she had ever been. So he kind of did it to himself. But full of rage, he went off to the prince's college and tore him up one side and down the other Mm -hmm. and got all jacked up and out of control. He came back and he was not feeling well. And he was exhausted. But there was another crisis that affects you and me, actually, in the making. The southern United States. This is 1861 had sent envoys to Queen Victoria to try to get help on their side from England. We have a lot in common, and they did. The southern U.S. was very British in structure. Mm -hmm. And the northerners stopped this ship, and Britain kind of freaked out because it was an envoy for them. They kind of freaked out, and himself single-handedly took all that language that Parliament had sent in anger toned it on down, managed to get everyone's face saved in this whole thing, Mm -hmm. and basically kept Britain out of the American Civil War. Good job, Albert. So might the U.S. Civil War have gone a different way if Albert hadn't existed? Seriously, we might... We might be eating shoe fly pie right now. <laughs> Which is fine. I like shoe fly pie. Etc. I love pimento cheese sandwiches. They're so delicious. They are? Mm-hmm. All right, I'll have to have one someday. So that... That is the very last thing Albert ever wrote. So I guess if you're going to have a last thing you write, make it a good one. Make it an impactful one. Yeah, so I 
I mean, I hate to say that the Civil War helped kill Albert. <laughs> well, yeah. But it was a combination of all this that was going on. He was letting his health go. And the whole birdie scandal, I mean, he was blamed. Oh, my goodness, yes. Big time. But Albert actually died of typhoid. Yeah, some say typhoid and some say stomach cancer. Right. He always had a really bad digestive issues. and So Queen Victoria was only 42 when Albert died, also at 42. It was the end of an era. Hey, this is a good place to take a break. That's true. And when we come back, we will talk about the aftermath of Albert's death. And we are back. Albert has died, and Victoria has gone into some seriously deep mourning. Everyone at court, in fact, is in full blacks for a year and a half. Everyone. Yeah. I'm talking even Beatrice, who at the time was three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Full black. And then half mourning for two more years. Now, half mourning means you can add gray, white, purple, and mauve. Mm-hmm. Have you seen, if you've seen Downton Abbey, you'll notice that there's a lot of wearing of purple. Well, that's why, because they're in half mourning. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> And if you haven't seen Downton Abbey, what are you waiting for? Yeah, it's on streaming. Go get it. Stream it. Victoria was starting to lose her mind a little bit. She had pictures taken of him not alive in his coffin, which mm-hmm. was pretty common for Victorian times. Um, and those were on the back of every headboard the queen ever slept in. There was one of those pictures on the back of the headboard, which seems... Crazy. Kind of morbid. A little bit. The room that he slept in was preserved as it was, and she had his valet lay new clothes out every day, different clothes every day, as if he was going to come in and put them on. Mm-hmm. The wash water was brought up. Hot wash water every day. Flowers strewn upon the pillows every mm-hmm. day. The glass he drank his last dose of medicine out of sat on that nightstand for 40 years, and nobody could wash it or touch it. 40 years. That's all. She That's al- a lot of time. always went to bed with one of his nightshirts in her hand, and she kept writing to everyone that she hoped to join him within a year. She was contemplating suicide mm-hmm. at every turn. Everyone thought she was going crazy. She would sometimes Sometimes ask a statue of Albert what he thought of something before she would sign the paper. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. She was a wreck physically. She was so stressed out. She didn't realize, I don't think, he had taken so much responsibility on mm. for her. So gradually. Gradually, right. That now it all came crashing back. In fact, I almost think he was the king. For just years, he was the king. I would agree. Not a name. But, you know, all the responsibility is back now, but she couldn't handle it. She told everybody to go through Princess Alice. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Who was the oldest, you know, mm-hmm. girl at home. I I guess her son was, was at college, and Alice was the next in line. Go through Princess Alice, she said. So who ne- who's making who's, the decisions now? My right, goodness. It goes on for quite a while, and I this whole era is really depicted well in the movie Mrs. Brown. Yes. And then it's a 1997 movie with Judy Dench as Queen Victoria, and the whole beginning of this movie is about her mourning. I mean, what the what court was like? I mean, she wasn't at court, actually. She was gone. But who did she blame for Albert's death? She blamed Bertie. She blamed him. She could hardly stand to be in the same room with him. She said that Albert had been killed by that dreadful business. He had been killed by years of not sleeping and years of being obsessive and years of not eating right and years of not having any strenuous exercise. That's what did it. And stressing out. But she had to blame somebody. She, he wasn't killed by one little trip to a college to yell at somebody. Bernie's the whipping boy. He is. Poor old thing. 
I mean, even at even at Bertie's <laughs> wedding, he married a, a beautiful princess from mm-hmm. Denmark, by the way. But at his wedding, she had a portrait of her and the statue taken with the couple. Crazy, crazy. So she stopped going into public, and honestly, um. Everyone thought there was considerable danger of the people losing interest in the monarchy. Like, mm-hmm. one member of parliament actually, in parliament, put forth an idea that she should abdicate at this point. Right. President Abraham Lincoln's widow received a letter from her, a really long, impassioned letter of sympathy after Abraham Lincoln's assassination. Basically, like, I know how you're feeling. And, <laughs> Two widows talking. Yeah. Yeah, and five years. It was five years before she started going somewhere again, anywhere. She started to force herself to go places because, honestly, she needed money for her sons that were coming of age. She needed dowries for the older children. Mm -hmm. And she was starting to feel like she needed to show herself, at least at Parliament, so that they would give her some money. Well, I'm sure the pressure. to They were Mm -hmm. constantly pressuring her to come back and, and, and let the people see you. Yeah, she wrote that it felt like an execution. Every time she had to go anywhere and anyone would look at her, she felt like... It was an execution. She was headed to somewhere that dreadful. Mm-hmm. That's it's not a good feeling. Spiraling. So enter Disraeli. Disraeli. You love Disraeli in well, some regards. Tell us about Disraeli in your own words. <laughs> well, I just think he's a cross between Eddie Haskell of Leave it to Beaver, like the supreme flatterer. Oh, Mrs. Cleaver, what a fabulous pie you've made today. Your dress looks amazing. So he's a cross between... A butt kisser and Severus Snape, like the Dark Lord <laughs> assistant or something. And so a quote from him that will kind of sum him up is he used to write to his lady friends all the time. He was surrounded by what he called these curious, delightful creatures that are just incomprehensible women correspondence. He wrote, everyone likes flattery. And when you come to royalty, you should lay it on thick with a trowel. And he did. <laughs> he called Queen Victoria the fairy. Because she was a very small creature with very great power. And he wrote gossipy letters to her, informal. He told her everything. Oh, so-and-so said something, and he looked so displeased, and he pursed up his mouth, and he went out of the room. She loved that. Like, I never get all the information. Well, this is way, this is a lot of information. So he just told her it all. And he endeared her because he... I have a friend from Ireland. I don't even know if I should say this. I have a friend from Ireland that calls people like this piss artists. (laughs) (laughs) So that's not a very nice term. No. It basically gives you the idea that he just will do whatever. He's And so he pretended to great sympathy about Albert. Uh Would constantly bring up, oh, how bereft you are, madam, you know. And his his strategy with her was, I never deny, I never contradict, but I sometimes forget, which she <laughs> says to me. And so, um, a man has come into her life about now. Another man. A Scottish man named John Brown. John Brown had been at Balmoral. He mm-hmm. had been, when Victoria and Albert were there, he was he was very close to Albert. Mm-hmm. And so he was a connection, a physical connection for Victoria to Albert, although not a romantic connection. I guess we should just say that up front. I don't know. Don't know. Again, nobody not knows. Sure. Not sure. There was certainly speculation about that. But here's this strapping, strong Highlander from the place that she just loved, to, she felt comfortable at, 
and he is brought to her to help her during this period of mourning. Disraeli is the super flatterer, mm-hmm. and then John Brown is a no-nonsense... He's no-nonsense no. Islander. He, he tells not, it like he sees he it. He has got no pretension at all. He was protective of her in the way, honestly, that Albert was always exasperated with her. Like, he catered to her whims, but then on the other hand, he would tell her off. Mm-hmm. She allowed him freedoms that no one else Nobody got, else. not even her children. No, and there's letters where he calls, she calls him his best friend. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, there's a scene in the movie, I hate to keep going, go back to the movie here, but it, it broke my heart because his brother worked in it, in service. And so the two brothers were together, and he was the brother saying, you're getting too close to her, you're going to get hurt. And John Brown says, no, she loves me. This is a letter. It says, best friend. And, you know, Billy Connolly is the actor who's a Scottish guy, and best friend. You know, right, that was the worst Scottish accent ever. <laughs> anyway. That is awesome. Just go stream it. <laughs> Well, she traveled alone with him, so scandalous, and stayed overnight alone in the same house with him once. So there's all the, always the did she or didn't she, and some scandalous servant said that Victoria thought the spirit of Prince Albert lived inside of John Brown, and that's why he got all these freedoms. But, you know, the Inquirer didn't start out of, like, thin cloth. That's right. <laughs> this kind of weird, bizarre alien baby story has always existed. They just didn't know about aliens. So yeah. it sounds like an alien baby story to me. A little bit. But whatever. bottom line is, John Brown shows up the morning and in regards, I mean, she mourned actually for her whole life. But this deep spiral out of control morning is coming to an end. She's getting outside. She's mm-hmm. getting fresh air. She's getting exercise. Well, and she's getting, she's getting someone to help her because he walks in and the prime minister's talking and he goes, get up. You said enough (laughs) and picks up Disraeli's arm and shoves him out of the room and slams the door. Yeah. What? Who are you? You're a servant (laughs) in a skirt. And he would come in a room where all of these, some of these people are her children or her children's spouses. Uh And he would stick his head in and look at everybody in the face and go, all right, all what's in here can come in to dine with the queen. Like, he's approving them. Like, he's the bouncer at a door of an exclusive nightclub. Like, he, he saw himself as her protector. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. and she liked Well, she wrote, um, she wrote a book called Leaves from the Journal of Our Life in the Highlands. Now that she's written the book, the main thing that did was to give Disraeli a little bit of flattery ammo. Because from that point, Disraeli would always refer to, oh, we authors, ma'am. We authors, we authors. know about these things. <laughs> Yeah, everyone disliked him, and he was, John Brown was often very drunk. But the Queen just said he was shy, but often he was inebriated yeah. beyond blotto. They started to call her Mrs. Brown. Mrs. Brown. And she would reply so angrily to her critics, like, God knows how much I want to be taken care of. With no male head now, such a person is invaluable to me. Basically, like, how dare, you know, how dare you? Yeah, back off. Doubt my judgment. So he was with her for 18 and a half solid years. And he died in 1883, having not tended to himself very well. He died in 1883 and 
we get a repeat of the Albert grief all again. She's inconsolable. His room is preserved as he left it. A fresh flower was supposed to be placed on his pillow every day. Does this sound familiar? Mm-hmm. She wrote another biography intending to show, and I quote, that John Brown had meant more to her than a faithful servant. And her private secretary was so embarrassed having read it. He was so embarrassed and he said so much of this is open to misinterpretation. He was trying to be very diplomatic and Eventually, she was convinced by her children to destroy it. Dang it. I know. I would have answered so many questions. But she had a golden statue of him on her writing desk the rest of her life. She loved him. She liked the statues. I I have to say, you know, when she loves someone, she gives them their all. Opponents be damned, right? Yep. Well, now, one thing John Brown did is definitely, as Susan said, to get her out of the house a little. The mass of the people had expected a queen to kind of look and play the part, and they they want the pomp if they're paying for it. They right. want, where's my dollar's worth? Right. They don't want somebody, like anybody can live in a house in the country. Any lady in the country can do that. Why do we need a queen? What do we pay her for if she won't work? Yeah. You know, seriously, I'm cracking up at the, the prime minister and the MP saying, what do we pay her for if she doesn't work? Now, think about, like, Henry VIII or one of those absolute <laughs> monarchs. Could anyone have said that and kept their head? And, and she just, no. Well, that wasn't the kind of person she was. Well, and she's a constitutional monarch and not an absolute monarch, uh-huh. which means basically there's another head, meaning the prime minister. Right. And there's a, a governing body. It's a it's a different... Fears of government. Yeah. It, about the 1670s was when that started to change in Britain from you will do as I say or I will cut your head off to this whole like, hey, what if this? Can you sign this piece of paper? You know. And so Queen Victoria threatened repeatedly to abdicate because everybody was making her mad. Her popularity right now, all time low. Right. And that's she what, hates the people. They hate her. her. <laughs> Dirty. But this Prince, is that roller coaster. Yeah. Is, yeah. This is the bottom. So Prince Bertie. So very popular with the people. You know, the main reason is he's always out. He's always fancy. Mm-hmm. He has sparkly waistcoats on. His parties make the papers. He's, he looks like a royalty. Yeah. He's yeah. surrounded by Americans. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we always make everyone look good. And fabulous work dresses. That's right. Um, so anyway, he's so popular with the people, he's deathly ill. And his mother, uncharacteristically, comes to his side, tends him, sits there with him all along, and it really touches his heart that she's there. And she's so grateful at the end that he has been spared. She had a grand procession of Thanksgiving mm-hmm. that he was alive, and she waved to everyone, and there was a smile. Did it crack her face? Yeah. <laughs> I don't but know. The people saw her The again. muscles still work. Yeah, and Bertie, yeah, Bertie lives. Birdie lives. There was cheering. She was so, it turned around like snappity. It was gone. The people loved her. She's back. Up, 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 up. Yeah. All because of the son that she blamed for her husband's death. Good job, Birdie. Hooray. (laughs) So two more events in quick succession. At 57, she declared herself the Empress of India. Yes. Which is really a formality. She's really been the boss of India now for some time. And then, 1887, when she was 68, her golden jubilee. Cool as that. Yes, and the Prince of Wales loved pageantry, Bertie did, and he he got into it. He planned this enormous event. It was just okay, here's how somebody described this. It was one deafening, continuous roar from the second she stepped out of her house, mm-hmm. the whole way through the ceremony, the whole way through everything, until she came back and closed that door. It was one huge deafening roar. That's how popular she was. People were hanging from chimneys along the route because they couldn't get any nearer. 
So there was a service at Westminster Abbey, and then all these events, and at the end, she was exhausted. Just right, exhausted. Well, you know, you've been on the throne for 50 years. You're Yeah. And we are back. Her ninth child, Beatrice, married this year. Against the Queen's wishes, by the way, they spent a whole bunch of time passing notes uh, at the breakfast table and not speaking because Beatrice wanted to marry this man. And mm-hmm. Queen Victoria's like, I thought you were going to be here with me. <laughs> I thought you were going to be here for me all along. You're not a dutiful daughter. It's like, really? Just because I'm yeah. the ninth doesn't mean that I'm sticking around. I have around. to stay here forever. Well, so... She kind of did stick around forever, so they came up with a compromise. Okay, Beatrice could get married to this man she had chosen, but the husband had to agree to live in the palace as his home. End of story. No more further compromises. She kind of liked it because baby, as she called herself, uh-huh. baby's four babies, when they came, were they lived there with Queen Victoria. They were the resident children. They were the four kids that always lived there. She loved them. She was still grumpy on the subject of children, though. All her kids, who were all married, were having children. And she's like, this is like the rabbits in Windsor Park. (laughs) The present large family is far from enjoyable or good for me. And yet she led Princess Beatrice with her, yeah. Four children. I'm thinking she's talking out of both sides of her Oh, well, her (laughs) indulgence to these grandchildren. Yeah. I mean, think about how she treated Bertie. And now she's got children that are putting crocodiles under her desk, and she thinks it's funny. It's funny. Cro- crocodiles. It's the grandbabies. This is not toy crocodiles. You can't compare babies to grandbabies. It's and then not done. <laughs> I'm of that age where my friends are the ones that had <laughs> babies really early are now becoming grandmommies, and I see just such a difference in how they were a parent. How they are a grandparent. Oh, yeah. This is pretty clear. Yeah. Victoria. So, there used to be, there's uh, these dispatch boxes, these wooden boxes uh-huh. that she would get all the information from her ministers in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Prince Albert, her husband could not touch those for a long time. Flash forward to grandma time. Now the little kids are building walls out of the dispatch boxes and knocking them down. And she thinks it's funny. Yeah, they called her Gangan. Is that funny? Gangan. Yeah. Beatrice's son wrote her from college. Gangan, I need some pocket money. And she wrote this mean letter back. You need to learn to live within your means. It's a lesson learned early and well, or whatever. And he wrote back, never mind, I just sold your rejection letter for 30 shillings. She's thinking it's clever. She's really soft. Oh, my grandchildren are so clever. I have the most clever grandchildren ever. She's softening up, man. Oh, yeah, she's... She's, in, she's a Gangan. So a new uh, man comes into her life, as men are wont to do. Yes. Um, and he sort of takes the job that uh, John Brown used to have, and his name is Abdul Kareem. Now, these guys, there were two of them at one point, were taken on as, pardon my butchering of Hindustani, they were taken on as Kit Magar, which means waiter. Right. So their job was to stand behind her chair at dinner and look fabulous in their turbans. Well, one of them... His, you know, the aforementioned mm-hmm. Abdul Kareem used to make the queen um, curry in the kitchen, like different curries. Mm-hmm. She was completely charmed. Like this, is, I don't like curry either. I can't. <laughs> Susan made well, a face. I made a really, uh, I made that. Ick, that's icky face. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan. Uh, but he was promoted to well, a role titled Munshi, which means teacher, and he was teaching her Hindi. Yeah, and she was super intrigued by all this glamorous newness, you know, this exotic East this culture. Uh, you know, this, yeah. And everyone thought, here we go again. They were right. 
They were right. Here they went again. It was John Brown all over again. It was, because she brought him into her confidence, and he was with her all the time. Um, now, this thing is probably not romantic. No. Because he had, uh, well, the doctor at least thought he had multiple wives. He was allowed to bring his female relatives over, mm-hmm. and the doctor complained. Every time I'm sent to treat a Mrs. Kareem, a different tongue is stuck out for my inspection. <laughs> Well, so who knows if he had multiple wives, but what, what, what about his character? Do people, I think people thought he was mean and pretentious. Well, I think it was part of it was his, you know, his culture, you know, that he came from. It was just not British, that's for sure. But I think it's really great that she's still learning. And, mm-hmm. and now they say that's what keeps people young is that they are always constantly learning new things and keeping their minds active. And she's doing that. You um, know, that's what you, that's funny that Queen Victoria would say every time somebody complained that, well, that's his culture. You're just being racist. She didn't say racist. What did she say? I'm trying to think. Race prejudice. Oh. Is what she would call it. She called it, yeah. She, she would just say, well, that's just race prejudice or you're just jealous. So she just dismissed all that. It sounded a lot like John Brown thing again. A little bit. But well, again, when she takes people into her confidence, mm-hmm. she's, she's got their back. Well, she was just convinced that secretly Abdul Karim was the son of a gentleman. He had to be. His manners were so dignified. And so her secretary asked his son, please just go check. Please go check on this guy. Mm-hmm. And so the son, who was in India, went and checked. And it turns out that his father, instead of being a surgeon general like Queen Victoria thought, which would make him a grand person. Right. He worked in a jail. Yeah. And Queen Victoria was so mad at the deliverer of this news, <laughs> she didn't invite him to dinner for a year. And all he did was bring, bring eat the news. <laughs> the messenger. Yeah. And so, Abdul, but he lied. He did lie. Big time. Kareem lied about his, his parentage, so. Well, and he sent press releases of himself and the Queen to papers all over in, in its you know, Italy, he sent mm-hmm. pictures of himself and the Queen, and he was just trying to mm, promote himself. Yeah. A lot and of self-promotion. I think the secretly rolled eye quotient at court must have been very high indeed. Really? It's yeah. kind of amusing, though. It's a pattern now. Now we can just be like, oh, look, it's the next one. That's right. <laughs> and it all kind of started with Lord Melbourne, didn't it? It yeah, was like, Lord, it was, well, it, no, it started with Baroness Leighton. True. I think it was Leighton and then the Prime Minister Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And who was after that? Albert. Albert. I mean, Albert did the job. And then John Brown and then him. Yeah. It was like all, it was like um, she's on the monkey bars reaching for the next one before yeah. she lets go of the old <laughs> one. Kind of. I think she needed that presence in her life. So the Diamond Jubilee on September 23rd, 1896. She's age 77. She surpasses George III as the longest running monarch. That England has ever had. No. Yeah. And yeah. still. Now, if you're listening to this before September 9th, 2015, that statement is true. Yes. However, if it is September 10th, 2015, Queen Victoria's record uh, has been surpassed by Queen Elizabeth. Yep. So, okay. so if you're listening in the future... I'm going to applaud your math. <laughs> so that's the day. Actually, September 9th is the day that Queen Elizabeth passes her. Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we look forward to that day. Yes. About this time... Uh, Queen Victoria's health is starting to fail. She's everything that could possibly fall apart, honestly, was starting to fall apart. Um, her eyes went first. She used to yell at people to write blacker. 
she, at cataracts. Yeah. So it was, there's it was nothing to be done. Nope. She received some serious heartbreaks, um, about when she was 81. Her second son died. Alice, her daughter died. I love Alice. Alice died. Her son Leopold died, um, right in this period, right at the end. Alice actually dies on the same day that Albert died, December 14th, which is always. Yeah, that's a, a big bad one. day for um, Victoria anyway. Yeah, and many grandchildren had gone too. I mean, so many people that she loved. She was put on this formula called Banger's Food that she was supposed to eat, which is basically like baby formula that's made into custard, and she was supposed to eat that. But she just, oh, okay, kept eating all this other crap and then added that for dessert, which is not the point at all. It's wheat flour and pancreatic extract. Does that sound good? Oh, my gosh. Yummy. Give me my. Would we have chocolate donuts? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which, of course, would probably do really bad. Anyway. So on January 19th, um, she had a stroke. And the family was summoned, and as many people as could make it, really, they came. Her decline was pretty rapid. It was just a few days, because mm-hmm. she, she passed away on the 22nd of January, 1901, at the age of 81. She died. That. We thought Albert was the end of an era. That is the end of an era. I mean, and we still use that as the end of an era. Victorian. Victorian era. era. But her funeral was kind of interesting. Now, someone so interested in funerals and mourning, it's the great interest was to be paid. What was going on? Yeah. Obviously, someone that had thought about that so long had a dossier, and it existed. Of course. And it was kept on their person by whatever dresser, um, which is what she called her ladies' maids, mm-hmm. were all dressers. Mm-hmm. Whatever dresser was on duty had this with her at all times. And it it detailed a lot of things, but it also detailed what was to be put into her coffin, some of which her family was specifically not to be allowed to see, which is interesting. But, okay, so there was a lot of jewelry uh, of assorted kinds. Albert's dressing gown. Very important. uh, Lots of photos. A plaster cast of his hand. Yes. Her wedding veil. So touching. That's sweet. Okay, so far so good. We, We get it. But then in her left hand... This is one of the things they're not supposed to see. A photo of John Brown with a lock of his hair. Okay. Kind of creepy. Because she's kept the lock of his hair all these years. That's another Victorian obsession with locks of hair, too. Yeah. It's interesting. We, that might be another special feature, oh, the locks of hair. hair. That is an excellent Like hair jewelry. So interestingly, yes, they did do that, as she requested, but someone put a wreath of flowers strategically over the left hand because it was an open viewing, and mm-hmm. they didn't want commentary, so it was done. So there wasn't really an outcry um, about this completely odd thing that she had in her left hand. Because they didn't see it. They didn't see it. (laughs) So, interestingly, it was called a white funeral. The use of black horses was forbidden. It was all white horses to draw the coach. She had a white satin cloth over her coffin rather than a black one. And so they cut off all her hair um, to put into lockets as mementos. And her coffin went on procession accompanied by five reigning monarchs and seven crown princes of other countries. Including Siam, by the way. So as far away as Siam, she had some influence. There was an 81-gun salute. 81-gun salute, one for every year of her life. And so it was interesting. The procession went through, and just like her coronation and just like her jubilee, everyone came in the street. It was packed so full of people mm-hmm. that you couldn't move, but everyone was just Unlike the Deathly quiet. Everyone was almost scared. Like, nearly everyone in the country, think about this, had known no other monarch but her. 
And everyone knew that it was just the end. And I think everyone was, like, in shock. Even though she was 81 and in failing health for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But they're sad. It finally, it's finally happened. Yeah. Now, she had, when Albert had died, she had had a royal mausoleum built. And it was actually kind of in liking to the whole white funeral. It was bright and airy with windows. It wasn't a dreary place at all. And that is where her remains are. And um, I, I must say, it's quite an elaborate, as it should be. I mean, this mm-hmm. is Queen Victoria we're talking about. Um, an elaborate mausoleum <laughs> the tomb is, is of her and Albert. Isn't it interesting, though? We'll post a picture. Albert is regally lying there in state, and her head is turned toward him, which is pretty touching. That is very touching. Very, very sweet. Anyway. Um, so after her death, Beatrice, her youngest daughter, went through all her journals and expurgated them, took away anything she thought was inappropriate, mm-hmm. even cutting carefully pictures out that she wanted to preserve and pasting them in the new versions, mm-hmm. and burnt the originals. Burnt. Now, yes. this woman wrote. Queen Victoria mm-hmm. wrote her whole life. Every single day, she made detailed journal entries by hand. Beatrice did burn She burned the originals now. What Beatrice didn't know is that from 1832 until Albert's death, the secretary had moved a duplicate copy. Huh. So there is a duplicate copy for that period of time, mm-hmm. that almost 30-year period. We still have the originals. Um, but, yeah, Beatrice went through with a scythe and just cut a bunch of stuff out. Abdul Karim's papers were confiscated and burnt. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of correspondence. Anything they could lay their hands on that they didn't think was appropriate was taken away. Wow. Now, her descendants ruled Russia, Germany, Greece, Romania, Spain, and Norway. They were all over Europe. All over. And she had nine kids, and they all married well. And their children mostly married well, too. Yep. And it's, it was a family, a family tradition. Yeah, um, it was great. There is a fo- there is a painting that I want to um, refer. Well, I'll try to post a picture. It might be just too big. It so might get it. Yeah. yeah, it's called the Family of Queen Victoria. It's an 1887 work uh, by an artist called Tuxen T U X E N, and it shows an improbable setting mm-hmm. of Queen Victoria sitting with all of her descendants in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm imagining you would recognize them all if you had ever seen them. I don't recognize them all, but there's all kinds of generations, and it's just very homey and cozy, and it gives you the, I mean, this one lady, from this one lady, mm-hmm. there's all these people in the room. That's, it's kind of amazing. It's, yes. So her legacy? Her legacy is a Victorian era. Again, I'm going to send you to victoriana.com because it's got everything on there. It's 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 pretty great. I seriously am wondering if her legacy might just be the salvation of the monarchy itself. Because oh, after all yeah. those uncles, she mm-hmm. brought a sense of duty back, mm-hmm. I think, that didn't exist and hadn't for a long time. And still does. And still does. Still yeah. does. You know, even Prince William, the Duke of Cambridge, I can't ever... <laughs> Remember it, to call him it's that. Still fairly new. <laughs> I know. Uh, has said himself that that's why he waited so long to propose because he wanted Kate to understand the duties that would be expected mm-hmm. of her. This is not the the uncles swanning around spending money like water. This is a responsibility to your country. So, I think that's all from Victoria. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna back. I'm gonna agree with you on that. Or lazy or? and inappropriate undergarments. And I. I actually had to look this up, but Beckett was like, of course that what, that's what it was, but <laughs> Victoria's Secret is actually named after Victoria. Yeah, I uh, knew. I know, but I thought maybe it was like, 
I don't know, another Victoria, like someone that founded the company. That's something really cool that I did find. You, um, Balmoral Castle at balmoralcastle.com um, <laughs> is actually, it, you can go there. You can go there and rent a cottage for your holiday. I wonder how much that costs. I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> right out of time. But we'll have it on our website in our show notes. Now, again, we're going to send you the website because we'll have a lot. We'll have the pictures on there. We'll have a lot more information. We've got lots of special features that we are mm-hmm. from this one for sure. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So really, if as an, a companion, you should always listen to the podcast and then go to the website when you're back at a computer. I've got a few book recommendations. Yes. Um, okay. For sheer volume, um, and this is a really good basic, um, Queen Victoria by Christopher Hibbert is really good. Mm-hmm. Now, the classic biography, Queen Victoria by Lytton Strachey. You have got to be fond of the internal monologue, man, to read this book. <laughs> so please feel free if you like his style of writing. But honestly, it's a free download as a podcast on LibriVox on iTunes. And so uh, it may be interesting to just listen yes. to it. Uh, that particular one, um, you know, we'll put the link on there. But So either read it or, or listen to it free as a podcast, whichever um, variety you like. We Too by Jillian <laughs> Jill or Jillian Gill. I Gill? Oh. Both um, G's. Both Jillian G. with a G, Gill with a G. Is more of the story of Victoria and Albert as a couple, right. um, rivals and rulers. And yeah, and it reads quite kind of like a novel. That's good. It, it not- and then for a slightly different look, um, there's a book called Queen Victoria at Home by Michael Delanoy that basically looks at Queen Victoria's life through the houses she lived in through her whole life. That's cool. And it's pretty interesting. And that's the one that, at least in my hardback copy, has that big extreme painting as the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. Now, movie recommendations. We've mentioned we've mentioned them. We mentioned them, yeah. The main ones. Right. Young Victoria is a 2009 movie with Emily Blunt and Rupert Friend, who, when you look at it, you go, I know him from somewhere. I know him from somewhere. Mr. Wickham in the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. <gasps> more, more impulse to go. I know. He was also Watch. in The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Didn't see it. I didn't either. Hmm. Um, but it's on my list of movies I'd like to see. But anyway, um, so anyway, that movie deals with Victoria as a child and up through her marriage to Albert in the, the beginning of their marriage and relationship. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, also, the 1997 Mrs. Brown, which was with Judy Dench. I mean, hello, queen, gotta have Judy Dench, but there's a reason. She's fabulous. And Billy Con- Connolly, um, and that does stream on on uh, Netflix. So. Awesome. Those are the main movies. I would say there's, um, is there any other website or anything? Did you have another one? Um, no, I mean, there's a Victoria and Albert Museum in London that has a website, and if you happen to be there, it's free. Let's go. <laughs> well, for the last um, little recommendation, she makes a cameo. Yes. In a movie that otherwise is super cute. It takes place during the Boer War, which is a war we didn't mention, just because they're just... It's a Boer. Uh, it stars Shirley Temple, and it's uh, the main reason that she's alone is that her father's off fighting the the Boers, and um, Queen Victoria makes a cameo at the end That's in lovely. her wheelchair. Lovely. Oh, Susan has a surprise for you. I do. Uh, in a lot of the literature, it talks about Queen Victoria's voice being very bell-like, and so there is actually a recording of her voice, and it's on some type of wax cylinder, and the BBC, I'll link you up and see if you can get the software to work for you, because I 
I couldn't. <laughs> but it's so tantalizing that they have a recording of her voice. Of her voice. That we it's might be very short, and, and you can, from the commentary, you can presumably hear her bell-like voice for real. So that is pretty cool, and we will definitely link you up to that. That is so exciting. I know, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. I can't wait. I thought so. <laughs> well, I think that brings to a close our inadvertent two-part series yes. on Queen Victoria. We won't do two-parters on most people, but this woman lived a rather extraordinary full life. So so thank you so much for listening. Do visit the website for all of those special features that we mentioned that are going to be there. Yep. Bye. For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at The History Chicks. With, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to sin real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. It's never enough. Is it always this rough? She tries to be tough when inside. She's a broken flower. Tower. She's the most powerful.